Hello, rag hags. I just want to pop on and give you a little trigger warning for this episode. We will be briefly mentioning suicide, miscarriage, and drug addiction. So uh, that's happening. All right, without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hello and welcome to Romance at a Glance, where it is all romance all the time. I'm your host, Shani, and with me is my beautific co-host, Bridget. How you doing, Bridget? So happy that you're back from your vacation. I'm doing so much better. How are you? I am so happy to be back. I never quite realized, like when I was on vacation, I wanted to make sure I was like, you know, I'm grateful to be on vacation. It's a it's a blessing. Sure. But also, like the other truth existed that I was like, I wanted to be home. Like, I was getting my house together, and I was in a flow before I left. Uh, and obviously, these plans had been made so much earlier. And so it was really hard to leave, even though I was going to Costa Rica, and I'm like, that's going to be dope. Mm-hmm. It was like a weird, like, kind of conundrum. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we were supposed to go on our vacation for, like, two and a half weeks. Because I was like, oh, well, the kids haven't started school yet. Leo's working from home anyway. I work from home anyway. So, like... It's, it's my dad's house. Like, we may as well just go for a few weeks. Like, that's great. And now that we're, like, in our house, I'm like, let's go for 11 days. <laughs> Maybe 12. <laughs> um, I was like, I just want to, like, I just feel like there's so many things left to do. I mean, it's going to take us a year to really, like, fully be done settling into the house. There's a whole bunch of stuff that I'm like, okay, I don't know. Maybe I need a few extra days before we go on. <laughs> But I also decided I need to let go of all my expectations. And now I feel so much better because I was like, I want everything <laughs> to be done because that's just my personality. And I just decided, yeah. you know what? In a year from now, everything's going to be great. And until then, I'm just going to chip away. And I feel much better after having decided that. That That's like the number one thing that's been keeping me sane in like doing this whole warehouse loft thing mm-hmm. is like, I knew when I moved in, I'm like, it's going to be years before I'm finished with this mm-hmm. place. I might even move out before I've ever finished with what I want to do with this place. Mm-hmm. And so ne- my only expectation every day is that I will put something away. <laughs> like, <Nice>. Something <laughs> somewhere. And it ends up that I end up in these cleaning sprees, which is great. But I still have to like lie to myself so that like that ADHD doesn't kick in, you know, mm-hmm. and just be like, oh, no, we're not really cleaning. We're just going to wash like this one dish or mm-hmm. we're just going to, you know, this box here. We're going to put these socks away. Let's just <laughs> <laughs> I saw this one so thing, that. and I this is really like what, what I always do is like ten minutes. I'm like, I'm just gonna do. T- I'm quick ten minutes. I even sometimes set a timer <laughs> just to like convince myself it will be yeah. ten. And sometimes I literally do ten minutes. You can do so much in ten minutes if you're only doing that. So, so much, much. You can put away so many things, wash so many dishes, etc. And and then usually it's like, oh, well, I'm already doing it, so I may as well just also do the laundry or also do whatever. Yeah. But I try to convince. I'm like, just ten minutes. Ten minutes is not the thing. You can't, you can't stop moving, though. The one thing I find is you cannot sit down for any mm-hmm. means, mm-hmm. like, necessary. Even if I'm, like, like, yesterday I was like, you know what? I'm going to order a couple more, like, calendar, like, just laminate calendars mm-hmm. for the wall for organizing. And I went to go sit down to go to Amazon. And I was like, no. So I, like, stand them. I'm standing up at my laptop. <laughs> like, don't sit down. <laughs> don't sit down. <laughs> and I was hella productive. I feel very good about it yesterday. Also, another benefit of deciding to not be a crazy person is that I'm sleeping more because I was not sleeping enough. And also, I started <laughs> reading more again because I'm like, look, it's not going to happen in a day. I may as well take an hour or two and read so, read before bed because yeah, like I don't need to stay up till midnight, like grinding away and doing all this crazy stuff. Like, 
I could read it's, It becomes like diminishing returns, mm-hmm. I find, mm-hmm. like at that point. Yeah. And I'm just like, hey, you know what, just stop. Play a video game. Yeah. And then I'm a grumpy book. mom. Do with me. So grumpy. Grumpy wife. So, grumpy human being. Yeah. <laughs> it's no bueno for Well, me. I am so ready for just the, like the shift in energy as we're coming into like this second half of the year. Mm-hmm. I'm really ready for historicals because yeah. we are in historical season right now. Historical season. y'all, okay. Uh, and I'm very excited about this. You ready for some pomp and circumstance? I am you know? so ready, Shawnee. First of all, this book that you chose for our first book was, yeah, I'm going to spoil my review already, but a delight, a goddamn delight. And it was a real refreshing palate cleanser. And I was just very pleased and ready to get into it. Absolutely. One thing that struck me, and we can talk about it more later, but one thing that struck me about historicals is it almost uh, parallels a fantasy or paranormal for me because the world is very different and the rules of society are very different. It almost becomes like a world building. Like they have to tell you a little bit about like who's in charge, who's important, who's going to be like jilted or like, oh, okay, the rules are you can't be alone with them. You can't whatever. Like there's all these like little rules that you kind of have to follow that that obviously like everyone's trying to get around. Um, I just thought it was a delight. I thought it was good. I 100% agree with you. It Like there's a bit of it that allows you to suspend your disbelief. Mm-hmm. And it also allows you to like that kind of old school for me, like mm-hmm. the masculinity of a guy that's not absolutely not acceptable now and I would not accept it. Mm-hmm. But when I when I read historicals, I'm allowed to really mm-hmm. accept it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's cool. Also, on, on another note, we have a new patron. I want to give her a Hello. shout to Nikki C, baby. Nikki C. Welcome to the Rack Hags. Welcome to the Rack Hags. (laughs) As we really appreciate everyone who supports us. It helps us pay for the hosting of the podcast, hosting of our website. It helps us pay for all of like the cool stickers and different ideas. It helps, you know, just sort of offset all of the different costs for running our podcast. And we really appreciate it. We appreciate you. And I have to say, so this book was recommended to me um, by my friend Vanessa, who she and I grew up reading romance novels together. She's the one we used to dog ear the sex pages mm-hmm. for each other. Um, and she told me that I must okay. I must read this book. Mm-hmm. Um, so I so I put it on the list. Uh, so I'm excited to talk about it, to get into it, and to uh, you know just just enjoy you know a little old school you know yeah, regency feeling good regency. about it. So you ready, Bridge? I'm ready. Let's get the ship hopping. Romance at a glance. Uh huh. Romance at a glance. What you say now? Romance at a glance. Go ahead, girl. All right, Bridge. So today we are reading a wicked kind of husband, and yes. He was wicked. This was written by Mia Vinci, and the narrator was Kate Reading. And I will say, she did a really good job. Sometimes in historicals, you get people who take that historical (laughs) accent thing way too far, and it can be a tiny bit like shrill or like so Mm -hmm. much accent that I don't know what the hell they're talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think she did a lovely job of making me feel like I was just in another place, not in like 2021. Uh, United States. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I really liked her. Uh, and now, Bridge, I'm going to throw it to you for our old synops. Oh, hitting you with the synopsis today. I will say that also this was book one of the Long Hope Abbey series. They all do stand alone, even though they do follow kind of like the same friends. Um, but it does say that you could read them all out of order or 
like they don't so heavily imply or relate to each other. They're just kind of like in the same space. Okay, space. so we're talking about uh, Cassandra today, Cassandra DeWitt, and she got married in what I think is a little bit of a Bush League arrangement, but that's just me. So her dad was <laughs> like, I think you need to get married. I think you need to get married. I want you to be protected. And he, she couldn't inherit without a husband, and he found her a husband. They met on their wedding day, and they had to consummate that shit, too. And he, like, never, barely talked to her, looked at her. Wow. And then he rode away, and two years later, she hasn't seen him at all, and she's been running her dad's estate because uh, he died. And she's been taking care of her mom, who is, like, at the beginning, it's unclear, but later we found out it's a little bit in the uh, opium den of the loony bin. And her two sisters, who are younger and a little crazy and hot-headed and I would say mean to her. I would have slapped those fools, but that's just me. And she has to, because one of her sisters is of age, she has to go to London, which her husband has forbidden her to do. And she's going to sort of plead her case to her great aunt, who is a duchess, and see if she'll take this girl under her wing to help her get a husband for the season. And it turns out he is not out of town. He's in London too. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Husband and wife meet for the first time. Um, and I will start with their meet cute, which I thought was actually very cute. So she's out in the promenade just strolling along with her friend who's who's like a – was she a vice countess or she was a countess too? Who knows? She had a crazy time. Yeah, vi a viscountess. Viscountess. Yeah. They're strolling around and – chatting with this other dude and then he her husband she doesn't know it yet walks up and she's like chastising him for being rude and stuff and then the guy's like don't you guys know you're married and they're like of course we know we're married and they both like cover up the fact that they did not recognize each other didn't know that they were married to <laughs> didn't know that they were married to each other i thought that was hysterical that was a good start i, I thought that was not only funny, but I do love the save, mm -hmm. which is like, of course, of course, we, yes. I know this is I my already, husband. And he's like, of I already saw her today. I don't need to greet her again. I was like, you guys are so funny. Uh, oh, my God. I mean, taking another way, they could have just been like flirting with each other. Um, yeah. But they, they had that like really good, like snappy uh, sort of repartee because she's like, I don't need to impress him. He's already my husband. And he's like, why won't you listen to me? What is happening? And but also, she's really nice and I like her, but I don't want to be inconvenienced. The one thing I enjoyed about them was that every time they needed to be husband and wife, mm -hmm. they seemed to be on the same page of how they were faking it. Uh, like, yeah. there wasn't yeah. really any conversations about it. It was just like they needed to. And so they just covered for each other. Like, of course, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That happened a few times. Totally. Yeah, I, I like, I, I in general thought that they're... Um, their chemistry and the way that they sort of fit together, I thought worked really well. Like she describes him as being like a live wire and just like full of energy. Like when she touches him, she feels that rush of energy. And she's, and she even says to her friend, like her, or her friend says to her at the beginning, like, oh, well, you just pretend to be super good. But like you haven't like, you know, you have a little naughty streak under you too. And like where you think mean things about people. And he says the same thing where he's like, you know, you're so good and you help everyone, but you're also not as good as you pretend to be. And like, he likes that he's yeah. the one who gets to sort of unearth that. Um, I do feel like, I don't know if this is, I guess this happens in a lot of romance, but especially I feel like in Regency where the lead male character 
has mm-hmm. a very sad broken past where he like in this yeah. case he's a widower who's young whose five-year-old son died as well as his wife like a lot of times they're widowers or they had a really tragic like evil duke dad who like yeah you know was mean to them or, or whatever the case may be um and in his case he had a dad who had like shipped his wife off to like a loony bin, but she wasn't dead yet and married another wife. Yeah. So then all yeah. the second wife's kids got disinherited because it was bigamy, but he wasn't even yeah. cast out of his dukedom or whatever, whatever title he had. He got to get married again to a new lady. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I thought that was crazy. Uh, also like on the note of the sad past, like yeah. I'm a little over it and I'm over like the guy being like, you know, like a beast, essentially, but he has a heart of gold and he's taking care of orphans. I am like, I hate this whole taking care of orphans thing. He does. I, I totally agree with you normally, although I didn't think this guy was a beast. Like he was mean to her. Yeah, he was was a curmudgeon. He was a dick. Yeah, he was a curmudgeon for sure. I wouldn't say he was a beast because he didn't like physically like when I think beast, I think like. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't think of the the word, but I mean, like he was was a a dick, a grumpy bear, but then a heart of gold and that and he takes care of orphans. Also, like, yeah. When the orphans die, like his favorite orphans, I was yeah. like, why? Why did this happen in the story? Yeah. Like, I just didn't know why. <laughs> I mean, I like, what did I it think, move forward? I think it moved forward the f- two things. I think it moved forward one that he has to like, it's like shoving it in his face that he actually does care about things still and he does have the capacity for love still. But also, I think yeah. it's kind of shoving in his face that like, like that her, thi- her also- thing, yeah. Like that, just because you're you might lose something, isn't a good reason not to love it. Yeah. Um, which I think honestly is like a really lovely way to look at life. Like, I'm not someone who like naturally thinks of loss, and like I'm not naturally someone who's afraid of losing things. If that makes sense. Like some people are always like anxious yeah. about losing things. That's not really my base personality. Um, I think it's a really lovely thing to think like. Like if that is your base personality or if you are worried about that stuff to remember, like it's still worth it to love and it's still worth it to uh, care about other people, even if something bad might happen and it might hurt at some future date. Like that doesn't mean it's not yeah. worth it now. Which that was nice. Yeah. I I mean, I, I agree. I'm one of those people that gets anxious. Like when I throw away things from my house. I have like anxiety about it. I always have to talk myself down. I'm like, we can buy this again, Shani. We're not poor. We we're good. <laughs> like, you know, I have to con- like contradict all those like childhood sure. trauma triggers sure. things sure. because if not, I'll be a hoarder. Like, mm-hmm. if I don't like curtail that shit, I will be a hoarder because I can justify the keeping mm-hmm. of anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm the opposite, <laughs> as you know. I'm like, I don't need any of this. A bunch of people have been like our kitchen. You haven't seen it in real life, but there are yeah. so many cabinets, Shawnee, coming from such a <laughs> tiny kitchen where we had like six cabinets total, top and bottom, yeah. to a kitchen that has like 30 or something absurd. Like we have 70% is still empty. There's nothing in any of the cabinets. Yeah. And I've already bought all the things I could think to buy. Like I already bought all of our pots and pans. Like I already bought cookie sheets. I already bought like the mixing so like i bought yeah. all the things that i'm like we bought cups they're in one row of one cabinet there's like four other rows and i'm like what else could go in here <laughs> and everyone we talk to is like oh you're totally gonna fill it up and i'm like mm, i don't think so because it's just not every year i go through all my stuff and then like donate or give away to friends or sell or whatever whatever i'm not yeah using. But, i need that 
It's a big kitchen. I need that energy in my life, Bridge. I need that energy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm honestly, that's where I'm at right now because, like, I want the ability to like do whatever we want in the space and have the like the bottom floor just be so empty. Mm-hmm. So I'm like majorly purging and just keeping the nicest things that I love. I'm mm-hmm. recondoing that shit. I'm like, do I love it? Does it spark mm-hmm. joy? And then I'm like, trash that, trash that. I feel like you feel like a boss when you trash things. Like, mm-hmm. like for real, for real. Mm-hmm. I have an issue though, because if it's a good item, to throw it in the trash is so incredibly difficult for me. So I have this throw it box. On like Facebook Marketplace or something. Sell well, yeah, it. but there's some stuff that's like not worth like trying to sell it. Mm. But because I live in a community, anytime you get rid of something, someone will come pick it up. So I have this box and I just take a picture of it like mm-hmm. end of day. And I'm like, hey, this is outside my door. Anybody wants any of this shit, come get it. Um, and generally, it's, like, all gone by the time, mm-hmm. like, the next day comes around. So that's been super helpful. And then I did sell a lot of, like, the bigger type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but my goal, I'm, like, desperately in my heart, I want to be a minimalist. Des- desperately. I don't know if I'll ever achieve that in my lifetime. But I want to. <laughs> Shani, our bedroom right now still just has a bed in it. <laughs> we don't even have nightstands yet. And I'm, like, okay, that's a little too minimalist. Like, we need somewhere to, like... <laughs> put a lamp or something like yeah getting out of control um okay so okay so the catalyst of the book obviously is that she goes to london but yeah um what did you think about her sister let's just her sister her sister was wildin wild i mean i like i like that the book opens up when her sister's drunk yeah as shit you know Mm -hmm. and just kind of like it seems like she's kind of lost hope Mm -hmm. for herself and for her life, whether she's going to get married or she's going to have whatever kind of life, you know? So she's like joking about being the mistress of the, of the King um, and all sorts of shit. But honestly, she's just wilding. She's like acting out. The mom has like a pseudo drug addiction, like, um, and is not present at all Mm -hmm. for the family because she's been grieving the Mm -hmm. loss of her son and her husband. Mm -hmm. And so she is completely disconnected. So everything is falling on Cassandra to Mm -hmm. like, you know, hold up the fort Mm -hmm. (laughs) essentially, but she's not supposed to be raising her sisters. Her sisters are so ungrateful though, because like super, super ungrateful. I wish that they like, they're not that young. Like the youngest one is like 14 and the older one is like 18, 17, something like that. Yeah. And the fact that they don't notice that she's the only one, like, taking care of them and keeping this house alive and taking care of their mom. And it's like, you could just be out on the streets. Like, I had to marry some fucking stranger and have sex with him after meeting him for one second. And Uh, (laughs) he never spoke to me or kissed me. And... You and you're living in my house. And you're getting drunk and throwing things at me? Mm, no, thank you. Oh, I'm going to go yeah. beg this great aunt who does did not approve of my you know, our mom as the spouse of her son. And I'm going to beg her to take you. Oh, my God. I would be so mad. Yeah, I, w- I would be mad, too. Like, So I was raised a lot by my oldest sister. Mm-hmm. And because of it, we actually like revere her in a way that's not quite like a sibling. Sure. You know? Um, so it's weird to have like kind of that same dynamic and then be so ungrateful about everything, mm-hmm. you know, it's like there's certain points where I just want to like bop them. Mm-hmm. I just want to like, you know, just mm-hmm. dunk them in the forehead. Just like, what is you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Chill the fuck out. <laughs> I know. Well, and then her sister comes, I know we're skipping ahead, but then her sisters just show up in London, even though they're not supposed to yet. 
And she yeah. essentially gets the sister the coming out party that she wanted. And then the sister like blows it and like can't yeah. can't keep her shit together for one night, gets drunk and is like giving away kisses and like gives away she's like and i'm gonna marry the person who catches this cup and some like scotsman catches it i am intrigued about the scotsman who's gonna like i'm always whip her into about shape. you know what i'm saying <laughs> i'm i'm intrigued about that book i have not read it yet but i am intrigued about that man and then he disappears and i'm like ooh, cloak and dagger okay <laughs> and the servant's like i didn't catch it it was a scotsman <laughs> yeah but anyways i would be so mad at my siblings yeah, hell, hella mad. That, Ungrateful, a little bit. It was, but it really seemed like she was, you know, acting out. Yeah, whatever. She was like wanting attention, and which I mean, I it makes sense. I have a little sister, and sometimes I just can't with her. I just be like, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> yeah, but you would never you let go. your sister talk. You if your sister got drunk, it was like talking to you like that. You'd be like, you better get your ass out of this room before I kick yeah, you. Yeah, 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 yeah. That I mean, that shit has happened where I was like, you better have several seats. Yeah. This, this ain't gonna go down the way you think it's gonna go down. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Everybody's all big and bold until. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know who I really liked was Das. So Das is Joshua's, who Joshua, who is her spouse, his main secretary. And yeah. I thought he was a great character. He was Bengali. And I thought he was a nice, like, conduit for Joshua to realize, like, oh, I've been cut off from everyone. And, like, oh, these people around me are actually good people. Oh, like, yeah, it's okay to like them. It's okay to care about them, too. And I just I just thought Das was hilarious. Das was, like, the, the straight man, you know? Yeah. And he... Uh, I like sometimes when Joshua would say stuff that was like really ludicrous, Das would say like two or three words that mm-hmm. would really kind of like shut it down or mm-hmm. shed light on just how mm-hmm. silly that was. Mm-hmm. So his character did a lot for the story in terms of yeah. just like getting him off of this yeah. I don't, this wave that he's on where he like, I can't get married. I can't love again. I can't have any more kids. I can't, mm-hmm. you know, uh, do that sort of thing. Yeah. One of my favorite uh, I wrote down a little scene that Dad said, and he says, but Mr. Isaac is your brother. Joshua glared at the sacrilegious cherry who didn't flinch. Do I detect a tone of disapproval, Daz? Yes, sir. Do I <laughs> pray you to pay you to disapprove of me, Daz? No, sir. I pro- provide the disapproval for free. Remind me to bloody thank you sometime. <laughs> that was a good one. And I was just like, oh, sweet little Daz. He's like, I'm, I'm already married. My wife is here. And he's like, you're married? <laughs> Yeah. And then he goes, so is, and he names all the people in the household, like everyone's married. And he's like, this guy has six kids. And he's like, what? <laughs> so I think that like, oh my God. I don't know. Some of these books are interesting because this book to me is all about like the interpersonal, right? So nothing happens outside of their relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of like that mm-hmm. because we, you know, we've been reading a lot of fantasy adventure and mm-hmm. things like that. This is keeps it tight within them and mm-hmm. the dynamic that happens. So you do get a little bit more of the little moments mm-hmm. um, between them, mm-hmm. which helps me build that love and the rapport mm-hmm. for them. And I also thought it was nice that they were already married at the beginning. Yeah. So there was no like, but, so they were like courting in their marriage, but like they were already married. So he was already like, like when he was talking to her about yeah. giving him a blowjob, he didn't say the words blowjob, but giving him a blowjob as like his inducement to do what she wanted and like, to behave at this party. Yeah. And she like goes to her friend and is like, 
Do you kiss your husband on the penis? <laughs> her friend is like dying laughing, and she's like, she's like, it's actually quite fun. You should do it. And then she's like, she talks to him later, and she's like, she's like, I'll do it. And he's like, do what? And she's like, what you said, your inducement. And he's just like, oh shit, I didn't think she was gonna like. I thought I was just teasing her. Like he's like, you don't actually have to do that. And I'm like, I thought all that I stuff mean, was really cute. I, I did too. The rapport I thought between them was really uh, cute. I like when she initially comes to town and he's like, yeah, go back. Like, yeah. you know, she's like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Like, I'll do anything you want except for things that I don't want to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I enjoyed about her. I mean, especially when you're, when you're dealing with the book like this, right? You have to kind of stay within certain guidelines of what was happening in the period and what was acceptable and things like that. So um, she was able to the author was able to you know give her this backbone and still make her i feel like true to the time period um which was nice Mm -hmm. um sometimes i'll read historicals especially newer ones where people get like you know where it's like every agenda is thrown at the book Mm -hmm. and i'm like well this just feels like a psa now Mm -hmm. then an escapism I actually thought the author, I had a couple of these lines. I thought the author did a great job of weaving in very modern ideas in a very subtle way. So like Mm -hmm. at one point at the very beginning, she had been jilted by a former um, betrothed person. And her friend asked her like, oh, do you blame this lady? And she says, I blame him for being stolen more than I blame her for stealing him, which is a very like, like woke for lack of a better term idea yeah. of like it's not her fault it's his fault because he or whoever's the person who actually cheated they're the one who made that choice they're the one in the relationship the other person is is just you know maybe was tempting them but they they let themselves go and be tempted yeah and she said there were a couple other ones she said i also like that when they were trying to blackmail them the uh-huh. other couple that yeah you know that the guy she was supposed to marry and his wife mm-hmm. um that she was like no we're gonna go talk to them Right. Like we're going to go to the source first. And I I think I think that all the time in many situations where people are always going in a roundabout way of something, even Mm -hmm. if there's like a dispute and you are going through your attorneys, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like a friend of mine is having an issue now with like, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Child support or Mm -hmm. like visitation and stuff like that. Um, And I'm like, well, have you guys actually just sat down at a table, the two of you? Right. It was like. Some the other person filed. They've never had a conversation. There's nothing. I'm like, is it it worth it to even just try to be like, hey, can we just have a phone call or can we just Mm -hmm. meet for coffee and let's even if it's like mediation and there's like a third party in the room or whatever. Yes, something, any anything, something. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And sometimes you can't. Mm -hmm. But I just find that sometimes people don't go just straight to the source first. Mm Before before anything else. Yeah. I also liked how she tried to fix it. And then she's like, it can't be fixed. Bring the lawyers. <laughs> like, Yeah. <laughs> we'll figure another way. <laughs> okay, so this is another one that she put in. So this is him. So he spent a lot of time traveling around the world. He hires people of all different, you know, genders and races and things like that. And he says, how much is wasted when men decide that certain babies are worth nothing because of their birth or class or sex or skin? How much do we all lose as a nation, as humans, by dismissing people simply because they are not like us? And that's like a very like modern ideal. But because he's like a disruptor and because his character is very in the industry, he's not a real peer because he was kicked out. He's he's a working man. He earned his fortune and he's a modern, he's into electricity and he's like into, you know, industry and steel. 
I thought like she just did she did it numerous times that I quoted that I was like just really well done where it doesn't feel like he's on a soapbox feels more like a personal thing like oh I have people who work for me who are so brilliant and and yeah. other people would overlook them because they don't look the right way and I, and I totally agree I also enjoy a working man like over a duke mm-hmm. or something like that mm-hmm. in a book um or I enjoy when it's like an aristocratic lady, but the guy is like running a gambling hell or in some sort <laughs> yeah, of yeah. Um, the criminal, the sure, criminal trade sure. or even like a pirate or things yeah, like that. Yeah. I Those are my favorite like pairings. I'll accept yeah. the Duke, but there's a there's a certain air that there's a certain grittiness I don't get when mm-hmm. you have a duke. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do enjoy the kind of bodiness that comes with a working man, mm-hmm. um, you know? Oh, for sure. I, I do like the cavalier nature that he has at the beginning of the book, even though I was like, oh, what a dick. You know, he's like looking for a new mistress. He's like, ah, I can't get to take a new mistress. My mm-hmm. wife's in town. Yeah, so good. <laughs> Gotta have some principle. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> it, but it's a little bit kind of sad when she finds out, when he like starts naming all of the women he slept with because he's like, I didn't sleep with this woman. I slept with these women. Well, they're only like not this four, one. though. There's only four or five. But like these are all during the, the course of their marriage or oh, yeah, some yeah, shit, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, you know, and she's like, Yeah, I don't I didn't need to know I that. I didn't need to like, know the list. I didn't need I didn't know I thought the moment the so so he knew the father because the father helped him as a boy get like a job after his dad, you know, sort of disowned them all. Um and that's why he agrees to marry her because his wife is dead, his kid is dead. And he's like, well, I'll marry her, but I don't want to actually be her husband. I want to be like away from her. And the dad wants, yeah. the dad knows he's a good man and so wants him to protect her. And like, he thinks they will be a good match if they ever like see each other. Um, yeah. And, but he knows the dad as like an adult would know him versus as how a child would know him. And so she yeah. thinks her dad is like faithful and her dad was faithful for the first 20 some years of their marriage until the older brother died and the mom started taking opium. And then he had this like mistress at the end. And I thought that scene was very like bittersweet because she says, Oh, my dad was faithful. And he kind of laughs at her and she's like, he was faithful. And he's like, Oh, okay. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Like, I'm not going to ruin this for yeah. you. <laughs> and then the only reason she finds out is because his brother mentioned something about going to see Mrs. Whoever, like you were with Mrs. Whoever. And so she thinks it's someone he was like sleeping with. And so yeah. he finally is like, the only reason I'm telling you is because I want you to know I've been faithful to you since you've been here. And this is who she is. But I actually thought that scene with her was really a testament to Cassandra's character because she doesn't go in and like scream at her or rant at her or tell her she's a liar. Mm-hmm. She like sits there and listens and the lady says, like, oh, he only did after your mom left him. And she realizes, like, oh, because my mom left me, too. And I know how that felt. But I didn't have anywhere else mm-hmm. to go. Um, and they talked about, like, because the dad, it turns out, um, committed suicide. And the I think the mistress was able to give her a little bit of clarity at that when he was told the mistress. He didn't tell her this. He was chipper around her and tried to put on a good face for her. But to the mistress, he yeah. said, it feels like I'm in a fog. It feels like I can't get out. Um, and I thought that that was a really nice moment for Cassandra to have a little bit of closure about, like, it not being her fault that her dad committed suicide or that she didn't even know he would think about committing suicide. And also yeah. that she was able to sort of 
understand like why her dad would have strayed because the mom was checked out. Yeah. I think um, that it's a good metaphor. I feel like for life in general, like, because there have been times and I watch, I'm watching this happen, you know, in real time with friends, family and that sort of thing where you are in a marriage and you are desperately trying to work on it, but your partner isn't. And I think that's a way of also saying that someone has left, Mm -hmm. you know, and a lot of people will stay married or stay in a bad situation because they they're loyal or they don't want to be the one who Mm -hmm. has left. But I think it's okay to recognize when just because someone is physically present doesn't mean they're really present, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and it's okay to let that go or to find a new situation. (laughs) or Yeah. Or to like demand, there's nothing worse than being trapped in front. Cause he says, so when he finds out that the mom is on opium, he's like, Oh, I know a doctor here. I could send this doctor to your mom. Who's, helps people wean off of the those drugs yeah and so he's also like helping with that sort of like a solution Mm -hmm. like one of my favorite things about him is that yeah he like teases her and pokes at her and stuff but he also like immediately sees like her value and how strong she is to like run all that stuff and take care of the household and um later when she go they go to her house at the very towards the end of the book and he agrees to come because she wants to have a child. He agrees to come like until they get pregnant, essentially. And um, she has, she calls it like, oh, her her dad's office. She's like, well, I guess it would be yours. And he's like, no, like you're the head of this household. Like you, it's your, like claim this space. Stop giving it. Like yeah. fight for what's yours. Kick your mom out of the like master bedroom. It's yours. Like, and I like that he kind of is confronting her all the time with like, that idea of taking space for herself and sort of being her own person and, and not feeling the burden of her family so much. Yeah. I think like uh, he's helping her learn about boundaries. Boundaries. Yes. That's the word I'm looking for. Cause, boundaries. Cause the sisters don't have any sort of like respect no for no. her, her space, her like anything she's doing for them or mm-hmm. whatever else. You know, uh, when they get into that, like, fight at the end where her sister throws champagne on her mm-hmm. and shit. I, I really enjoy the fact that she threw the champagne back I do at her too. sister. I do, too. Because it was like that. She was like she, that moment where she cracked, you yeah. know, where she's like, you know what? Fuck this. <laughs> this. <Yeah>. Absolutely. <laughs> she seems all calm and she's like, ha, ha, ha. Jokes on you. <laughs> and even when I was reading it, I was like, oh, I didn't see that coming. I... <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, she, like, uh, finally realized, like, she doesn't have to be a martyr. Like, she can have emotions. And maybe it'll help her sisters yes. if she has emotions and tells them, like, hey, this is not cool what you're doing to me. Yeah. Cut the cut that shit out. I'm, I am all out. in this. Uh, I, I had this talk with my sisters, like, uh, I don't know, a couple months ago about, like, masking and stuff like that. Right. So, like, I've heavily masked my whole life. And so after COVID, I've completely lost the ability. It's it's just gone. Um, and I'm not interested in getting it back. And I'm also not interested in like curbing my words as hard as I've always done. Mm. Um, and so now I'm having all these conversations with people where I am extremely frank. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it is fucking awesome. And also it like for for a long time, I would let people talk to me and they would say stuff that's fucking ludicrous. I mean, just fucking ludicrous. And I would just nod and like follow along even mm-hmm. though i'm like this 
shit is batshit crazy. Now I'm just like, now stop. That's batshit crazy. I don't care. I don't know what you're talking about right now. I I don't agree. I don't want you to take my silence for Mm co-signing. I don't co-sign this shit. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm really enjoying this, this new, you know, this new shawty my my sisters were like no you know like don't mask anymore like we you know we don't need you to do that and i'm like you guys you don't know how much i hold back <laughs> yeah so i i feel like for her that champagne was like her like like letting them know how much she holds back <laughs> that's awesome i think that's great i i think it's um unhealthy to keep everything bottled up inside it's weird though because like I feel like we say those kinds of things, but like, oh, not everything. Been doing it for so long. It's healthy to keep some things bottled up. Some things you got bottled. <laughs> it's healthy to keep, <laughs> you know, because there are some things that you want to say, and you're like, that might be too far. Like that might just be me being mean or me being like, yeah, cra- Like, but like when yeah. someone's saying something to you, I always think it's a good thing to like, like set a boundary, and and that's something obviously that I've been working on too, even in the yeah. last couple of years of being like no that's not true like that's you made that up like i never said that <laughs> that's, that's not a and thing. we're not going to be doing that not, <laughs> i'm not gonna pretend that that's a thing that i've said no i don't agree I, about that i don't have enough information but um, yeah i will look into it i hear you i hear what you're saying <laughs> no. and also i don't know that i agree but i will look into it think yeah. about it <laughs> keep my I will think about it. It's kind of how I feel about a little bit of shame. It's like we we oh we're uh, moving towards being like a shame free society, mm-hmm. and I'm like no 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 not shame free. We need a little bit of shame. <laughs> how will I shame you into doing bit. what I want? <laughs> Sometimes a little bit of shame is the only thing that gets me to do a thing that needs to happen. As I need a little bit of shame. <laughs> so funny. this is very off topic, but today we were at the park, and this little girl was following Kira around. Like, so yeah. close. Like, bumped her down the slide. Kira's very upset about it. Like, Kira's like, yeah. I keep asking her to leave me alone, and she won't leave me alone. The little girl's parents were speaking Russian, and I don't think she spoke English. And so I think that's yeah. part of the problem. Also, like, had no social skills. Like, Kira was, like, hissing at her, and she was just, like, right up in her face. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, girl, you're about to get slapped. You better watch out. <laughs> and, like, she went up to Molly, and I was like, okay, Molly. I don't want Molly to, like, bite her in the face. And I was like, let's back yeah. up, Molly. And the girl's mom, it's not like her parents were just ignoring this. Like, her mom was there, like, shouting at her in Russian and, like, kept pulling her back. Yeah. Like, no. Clearly, she was saying something along the lines of, stop it. That little girl is using that toy. You have to stay away from her. You're too close. You need to back up. These are yeah. all the things I think her mom's just, like, repeating over and over. Um, but it was really funny because Kira was like, that girl was mean to me at the park. I didn't like her. And I told her to stop. And she <laughs> wouldn't stop. And she was being so mean to me. She pushed me and tried to kick me down the slide. <laughs> And she's I like, don't know. I think you should have let Molly uh, set that boundary because I feel like Molly's really awesome at setting boundaries. Both of she them did a really know. good job. Aside from that, like <laughs> she just kept falling. I mean, like she just kept even after they would like yeah turn around and be like stop it. Like she just kept no, Molly. Molly would have bitter. Molly would have bitter them, and that would have been oh, right. end the scene. <laughs> I know. I didn't like. I don't. I don't want to encourage Molly well, to bite fools. You know what I mean? Also, like the thing is, at the end of the day, we're. St- we're still in a pandemic, right? Yeah. So like, yeah. and and I'm all about measured risk. I'm not like yeah. telling people, oh, you got to stay inside sure, all day. Yeah. You can't go crazy with your kids yeah. and shit. But yeah. I still don't think people are mindful enough of keeping their kids separate. Sure. Necessarily from other kids, sure. like having your face right next sure. to somebody else's face. Well, like, like, so like, I don't disagree with the fact that, it, you know, if, if 
this makes the most sense scientifically. Sure, the kids should wear masks to school. However, after they leave school, they will all take their masks off and chat with their friends. And they will all go to the park together and take their masks off and run around at the park with their friends. And they will all, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, it, it is mitigating risk for sure. They're indoors versus outdoors, et cetera. But also I'm like, kids, like there's still going to be Oof. high schoolers kissing and middle schoolers kissing. Like, and kid, But also kindergartners, like I don't, the masks... Like, if you've ever worked in a kindergarten, I worked in a kindergarten. First of all, they always have snot and boogers on their face. Always. They always touch touch their mask, reach under their mask, yeah. pull it up, pull it yeah. down. There's snot on everything. There's, there's, actually, you're not mitigating any risk in kindergarten. really good. I mean, she's only three. She's really good about wearing her mask. I think because she learned so early to wear it. Yeah. Like, she, she'll just leave it on all day. She doesn't take it off. She doesn't pull it down. She doesn't, if she has to blow her nose, she asks and she takes it, like, we'll go to the bathroom, she'll blow it, and then she'll put it back on. She, yeah. It's it's actually unbelievable. Molly still, I mean, Molly's only one, so she still pulls it on and off and, like, one doesn't want to wear it that much. But Kira, like, I think because she started at two, she just, it's not it a big was, deal. She knew it was a thing that had to happen. Every, and and she has happen. a kid yeah. size one, so it's comfortable and she yeah. likes the colors and, you know, she just wears it. <laughs> It's pretty weird. It's well, it's weird because like so all the younger kids when I'm with my nephews and stuff like that, for them at this point, they've been taught that they need to wear masks when they leave the house. Mm-hmm. It's very matter of fact for them. In fact, my my three year old nephew, if you take his mask off when it's not supposed to be off, he will lose his shit. He yeah. will cuss you out. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, mm-hmm. so I think for them, it's so normal. You know, I, uh, I think the old adults have actually a much harder time like having the mask on i have a hugely uh, hard time keeping the mask on but i'm like i'm gonna keep this mask on yeah um but i actively feel like i'm suffocating with the mask and it's really hard like i don't like hot air like i don't like saunas steam Mm -hmm. rooms those things like really sensory wise freak me out Mm -hmm. so my own hot breath in a mask is really (laughs) difficult for (laughs) huge lengths of time (laughs) sometimes when there's no one like around and i'm outside i'll like I like pull it out away for a second, like wipe the sweat off my top lip, and like reset. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I get really sweaty. But like, I get really yeah, sweaty. it gets like real sweaty in this area, and also I can't read the lips of people who are talking to me, which mm. is probably the number one problem that I experience with masks. Is that is that that's how I communicate? Is I I stare at people's mouths as they're talking to me, um, and that's how I hear and understand them. So when ma- when masks became a thing. It was almost like I was cut off from my ears. I, I don't know if that makes sense. I think that's going to be so hard for kids, too, because my kids have a harder time listening to me when they're in their masks and I'm in a mask. Like, I'll like <laughs> a lot of times, like if they're I'll like if there's no one around, I'll like bend down in the store, pull my mask down and be like, I know that you heard me. You need to stay there. And they're like, oh, OK, because like <laughs> it's really hard for them to read like the whole situation of what's going the whole, on and yeah. pay attention the, this is my i'm about to tap that face yeah get it together <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> jump out of that <laughs> jump out of the cart one more time <laughs> so that's what that's what lucy needed lucy needed a <laughs> kira uh, but get you yeah kira had a weird yeah yeah lucy for sure needed just like a quick slap speaking yeah. of slaps one of my and, favorite i know we're, i'm doing quotes out of order but one of my favorite quotes was okay. um She's like looking at him and smiles at him, and he's like all suspicious. He's like, "Why are you smiling?" <laughs> Which I thought was so funny because my husband says that to me all the time. He's like, "Why are you looking at me? Yeah. Why are you smiling at me?" I'm like, "I don't know. I just have a pleasant face all the time." <laughs> <Let's talk to laughs> you. 
But anyways, I like that she says, oh, and he's he's he also like knows that he has upset her about something. And he's like, why? He thinks she's like hiding behind the smile. And she says, I smile at you because looking at you makes me smile, except when it makes me want to throttle you, slap you, kiss you or all of the above at once. I can smile and still be upset at others because I am capable of feeling more than one thing at a time. And if that is too much for you to comprehend, let me tell you, I jolly well don't care. And I was like, "Ooh, snaps, Cassandra. Snap, snap, tell snap, him. snap. I feel the things <laughs> I want to feel. You can't tell me how I feel. You know, so uh, I was really high yesterday and my partner was high. And so we were having one of those high chats. Right. So like I always stare at him because I like I just like looking at him Mm -hmm. and um, he's always like, you know, he's staring at me. It's like so weird. And he's like, he's like, I don't know why you like me, you know, like and why you're nice to me. Mm -hmm. Right. He always says that. And I'm always like. I'm always like, how dare you be nice to me? I need you to treat me like shit. So I know that. Like, so I know I feel good about this. You know, I'm like, and I, so I start saying that and just doing all these kind of examples of that. And he's like, when you put it that way, I'm like, yeah, it's, it's, you know, I was like, you got to acknowledge some, you know, shitty parenting got you to this level mm-hmm. of insecurity. When someone says something nice to you, you're like, the fuck? Why would you be nice to me? So suspicious of this niceness. I'm suspicious think, of this niceness. Also, it's definitely like, <laughs> could you uh, yell at me, rail a little bit, maybe smack me? <laughs> That's my thing. <laughs> or, or, or like also. You know, a self-confidence thing of like, I don't know why you love. It. I mean, that's like, uh, honestly, that's this book is him. Like, I don't know why you love me. Like, I don't feel like yeah. I'm good enough for you. And also like his big thing is that he wants her to desire him for him and not for a baby. And he can't yeah. distinguish between her passion for him as being passion for him and being passion to just like want to get knocked up. And yeah, she like doesn't understand like why he shuts down sometimes because he doesn't like obviously communicate like what he's feeling um but later he finally is like oh she wanted me to come even though she was pregnant oh yeah she does (laughs) (laughs) that's why i was like i was so bummed at the end of the book right because i thought like so most of the end of the book is like wrought with them having miscommunication and not talking Mm -hmm. the way they need to talk and telling each other their feelings or whatever and I thought it was going to keep going on and on and on. And then she was like, she does tell him when she tells him she's pregnant or she doesn't mm-hmm. tell him, but she shows him the plan she has for the house where mm-hmm. she made a room for him. She made space for him to be a part of the family and mm-hmm. that sort of thing, you know, and that's her way of kind of showing him like, I want you to be here. Mm-hmm. And then even after like, there's maybe a slight misunderstanding. She says it like, no, I want you to be here. Like I want you. And he just freaks out. Mm-hmm. And then he leaves. Mm-hmm. He leaves. And I was like, you just left your pregnant wife who was trying to make space for you in the house. And she and she loved you and you just left her. I was like, Bridget, I ain't about it. I ain't about, I ain't about it. it, Bridget. You know, I don't like it. Although I was OK with it only in this instance because he only left for like a day or two. And I feel like a lot of times they leave for like three weeks or like a month into London. And I'm like, it took you yeah. a month for your epiphany. Like, I appreciate that he <laughs> literally got to Birmingham. And the next day when he woke up was like, oh, but she's not here. This is dumb. I shouldn't be here. Yeah. And then he set his affairs in order and then left on the day after that. So like he did not, it wasn't like he was working for like weeks and weeks and weeks at his job and finally realized yeah. like he got to his house and he was like, oh, but she ain't here. Like this ain't the business. I got to get out of here. I got to go home to my woman. And he immediately went home. 
I appreciated that. And yeah. also I appreciated that like he when he got there, she was having a miscarriage or started having a miscarriage shortly after that. And I liked that he cared for her in the way that she asked to be cared for. So she was saying, mm-hmm. like, not you. I don't want it to be you. And he was like, okay. And so he got the midwife and the, like, housekeeper or whatever who knew her. And then she's like, I need my mom. And he went and found the mom. She's like, I don't know if I can go in. And he's like, she needs you. You need to do this. You can do this. And he, like, coached the mom through her, like, sort of emotional thing. And then the mom went in and shut the door. And so I appreciated that even though he came back for her and desperately wanted her, he was willing to, like, step outside and respect her boundaries and wishes In that moment, even though later it turned out she was saying, oh, I didn't want you to be there because you already lost a child and I didn't want you to be heartbroken. So she was trying to, like, look after him. I appreciated yeah. that he was there. He was there to fit into her life. He wasn't there to try to fix her or, like, put her into his, which I liked. Yeah, I did. I I liked it. I, In general, I was like, I don't know. Also, that was another that was another modern idea, which I wish more people understood that the housekeeper says something like, oh, it's nobody's fault because he's like, was it my fault? I just left two days ago. Maybe it was me. She's like, no, this just happens. It's not a big deal. And I mean, it's a big deal emotionally, but I wish more people like really felt in their hearts because this is just like not the the knowledge and languaging we get as young girls and as women who are about to start having children. Like, I wish it was so much more upfront that like it's two out of three that you will keep the baby. One out of three babies don't make it. And that's totally normal. Totally fine. It's not a big deal. Like, like physically, emotionally it is, but physically it, your body will pass it. You, you know, your body will, you know, like that baby wasn't for you for whatever reason, your body knew that baby wasn't yeah. for you at that time. And I, I really wish, like, even for me, I knew, like, I was a little bit luckier because my mom had told me she had had miscarriages. So I already knew that that was like a, po- or she had had a miscarriage. So I knew that was a possibility. Yeah. And I knew a couple other friends who had had them who had confided in me. But I wish it didn't feel like they needed to confide. Like, I wish it was just like, oh, yeah, like, I wish it was just like people talked about it a little bit more so that other people didn't feel so alone and feel like, oh, something's wrong with my body or something's wrong with me or I yeah. did something. Because, like, yeah, you didn't. Like, it just, they just, like, miscarriages just happen. That's just it. just it. happen. They just happen. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. Not, again, I'm not saying emotionally you need to, like, oh, it's totally fine. I'm not saying that. I'm saying yeah. physically, I wish you knew it wasn't, like, you didn't, like, mentally give yourself a miscarriage yes. or something like I wish- that. I have that same thought about like abortion, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like the same thing when pe- when someone has an abortion, they like are confiding in you that they had mm-hmm. an abortion or whatever. And I, um, I was having a conversation with this woman, and she just dropped that she had an abortion like midway in the conversation, mm-hmm. with, like kind of no segue. And so I was a little bit taken aback when she said it, and I realized in that moment is that because nobody talks about abortions that openly and frankly like she did. That that's why I was taken aback, mm-hmm. not because I cared one way or the other if she had an abortion. And I was like, it just needs to be something that people talk about, like mm-hmm. very open like that, especially because of how many people have abortions. Mm-hmm. Everybody been having abortions. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like there's a great number of people who've had abortions or who are partnered with someone who had an abortion. And so the fact that we don't talk about it, very frankly, and um, I think is a disservice as well. So mm-hmm. so, yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's like, 
I, I think that miscarriages hit women really difficult, like really hard because of that, like super hard mm-hmm. because you didn't, you had that expectation that like, oh, this is for sure going to make it mm-hmm. all the way through. And it's like, well, no, it's a good probability that it won't, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And also depending on your medical history, because mm-hmm. I like I personally have an aunt on both sides of my mom and dad's side mm-hmm. who had like six or seven miscarriages before Whoa. they were able to come to deliver what one be healthy baby at the end of it. Wow. You know what I mean? So like that's information that and and nobody tells you that. I found that as an adult and I'm just like like that's stuff you need to relay especially to the girls in your family like mm-hmm. because that affects us. And the and guys can, too because you know. like I have some friends who their partners had um miscarriages and they were devastated cuz they didn't know it was normal. Yeah, it's definitely I, that's just a drop it in conversation. I just, I just in general, like this is also part of the reason if you guys are here and you're new, like part of the reason we talked about it at the beginning when we started this is we just wanted people to know like more honest things. Like in romance novels, I feel like this is one of the ways we talk about how we both like found out about sex and different kinds of sex. And like, that's not necessarily a good thing unless you have someone to talk to and be like, hey, I read this book and this happened. Is that a, is that normal? Is that good? Is that bad? Because when you read a book, you're like, okay, I guess maybe it's normal. And it's normal for that couple and it's normal for whatever. And it's normal if you're into that, but that doesn't mean that that's something you need to do in the future. And so that's part of the reason why we wanted to do this, that we could be like, okay, while we think it's awesome that this happened in the book in real life, you better run the other way if this happens, or, you know, or, or in, you know, in our personal experiences, we've, you know, tried this. I liked it. She didn't, et cetera. So that's, yeah. that's definitely one thing that I like about you, Shani. Honesty. Well, you know, I'm, I am so desperate for everyone not to learn about sex the way I did or yeah. have the expectations that I did yeah. going in because I, and also generally I relied way too heavily on the man to know what was happening. Mm. Like, it's a two you know, party. and not party. me taking party party. charge of, of, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so, and that's a disservice. That mm-hmm. I want to tell you right now. So uh, I think that's the fun part of this podcast is getting to like, talk about all those things that I'm like, mm, these went wrong. Here's mm-hmm. how, how, how it, how it could be. And the funny thing is, is like, sometimes we talk and you're like, Shani, how could that be? And I'll be like, it'd be like that in some mm-hmm. families, like where no, where you don't talk about anything body related. And yeah. that's, that blows my mind. If, mm-hmm. if I ever had a kid, I feel like that kid would know way too much. I might probably have to rein it back. Yeah. Kira <laughs> asked me the other day, because I got my period and she was in the bathroom with me. As all people with toddlers know, they always come in. She saw my diva cup uh, or like menstrual cup and she was like, what's that? And I was like, oh, so I was explaining like once a month I have to wear it. So later she's looking in the mirror at her vagina and she's like, is there blood in there, mom? And I was like, well, <laughs> technically there's blood in your whole body. So I was explaining that. I said, but you have to go through puberty and be much older to have a period like mommy does. And she's like, oh, I just was thinking maybe there was blood in there that was going to come out. And I said, no, sweetheart, there's no blood that's coming out. And she's like, okay. And just like goes and walks away. <laughs> but I think it's so funny because I just feel like, you know, she's like going to be yeah. just like, Oh, yeah, cool. I went through puberty. Yeah. I wish, like, my sister bought puberty books for both her kids, one for a boy, one for a girl. And, you know, she's been reading it to them. They've been reading it long years before puberty was ever coming. Mm-hmm. And so the kids talk about it so very openly and frankly. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that, that mm-hmm. is so magical. Oh, that's cool. I didn't even know they had those. That's a good good note for the future. I did that for Molly, for or Kira, for when Molly was born, like big sister books. 
like explaining how boring babies were at the beginning, how it wasn't going to be fun to play with, how mommy and daddy <laughs> were going to be tired for a while, but that she was going to love it. It was going to love her, et cetera. Um, and it really helped because she knew like, oh, the baby's just sleeping again. OK. Oh, it's crying and pooping. Yeah. OK. Like she I know okay. I read, I've got my book. I'm prepared. Like I know what's up. Um, so that's a good idea for puberty, though. Yeah, I think it was funny because I was the immature one when I like saw the book and I was reading it. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> like, I'm giggling. You know? yeah. but I'm like, and they're like, it, it was just like, a like, penis. you're going to grow hair yeah. in different places. And this is the, yeah. you know, um, I can't. There's one aspect of the books that she had that I didn't like, but I don't remember what it was now. But for overall, they were they were good. Oh, um, you know what? Books. I have a question about this is like, yeah, so such a strange thought that just popped into my mind. Speaking of hair, what if you have a parent who completely like waxes all their hair off and then <laughs> you go through puberty and you start growing hair, but they've never talked to you about it, but you've seen your parents yeah. naked in the shower at some point or changing or whatever. Yeah. And then you start growing hair. Like, do you think you would feel like crazy because you're growing hair and your parents don't have any? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. For, for sure. But also like I, in my, in my family, well, there's a lot of people, a lot of aunties who are nosy. Mm-hmm. So the second that like I had a bathing suit on and I raised my my arm and I had like one, yeah. you know, dangly yeah. curly hair, yeah. they were all in the whole like, oh, oh, look what's happening. When I started getting like little little lump bo- boobs, mm-hmm. you know, it was like, ooh, and they grab your titties. It's the worst. That's terrible. When I said. It is so terrible. I don't think enough people talk about how terrible it is. Like to the way you don't have children. any body. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and body autonomy yeah. from your aunts and uncles yeah. and things like that. They'll yeah. grab your butt. They'll grab your legs, your thighs, your yeah. whatever. And they'll be like, oh, look at these skinny legs. Oh, oh, you got, look, you got little boobies. Oh, yeah. you got little. And so like I knew puberty was coming for me, but I didn't know like you know, what that really entailed other than like I was getting hair in my armpits and little nub, little, you remember how hard, how your boobs hurt when you were getting them? Mm-hmm. Like they were hard, like mm-hmm. rock hard. Mm-hmm. Like to have someone and grab they were, like, them. like weirdly I was... like a little cone for a hot yeah. few months. Yeah. It was <laughs> just like a bizarro little cone. And, and then was like, like the nipple was like was, a cone. Yeah. I was like, like is this how they're yeah. supposed to look? I was like, this is not how my mom's boobs look. Like what's going on? <laughs> Mine look like that for way longer than I would have liked them. They look like ski slopes. I hope that like, my children get my husband's family's genetics in the boob region. Because I went through, I didn't go, I didn't have my period till I was 14. But as soon as I did, like, I went from no boobs to a C cup. And I didn't gain any weight. I was, like, playing soccer every yeah. day. I didn't get, like, bigger. But I all of a sudden had a rack. And I was, like, so uncomfortable in general, because they're heavy, but also just like, you know, people are like looking at you and like cat calling you. And I'm like, I am 14 years old. Like, what is going on? And I, I hope my children get the little, little itty bitty titty committee uh, genes of her dad's side. <laughs> I remember this girl who hit puberty when I was like in the third or fourth grade. I mean, that's sad. like looking back, I'm like, how terrible. So terrible. Was it? like to get your period she had body i mean she had full body we were like in the fourth grade and i remember my mom commenting on it mm-hmm. like you know and looking back i'm like i'm like we we were i was like we had adults commenting on children's bodies and i mm-hmm. and you internalize that and you don't know where you put it but you, yeah you do for you sure. know um and so it, like but yeah i i think it's like 
whenever I see people who hit puberty really young, I'm like, God, that's got to suck. I know. I mean, my kids, like, uh, I, in that sense, hope that they're, they're, I mean, I think it helped that I was in so many athletics and that I was like constantly running and just, you know, which they say like helps delay it a lot. Um, Cause my mom, I think she said got hers at like 10 or 12. She was really young and she got boobs really young. And she said the dads and like other people used to make really creepy comments and stuff. Cause she had like real boobs at like 12. And I was like, that's disgusting. That's, that's so how gross. disgusting. And at the time that was considered so normal that that's, yeah. that's the real thing that really messes me up. I'm so happy that the way I feel the world is changing. It's I, moving. I feel it's moving along. There's a death rattle of masculinity that's yes. happening. That's yes. a little annoying, but but it's yeah. but we are pushing forward and I feel like it's more exponential than mm-hmm. I feel like it's ever been. Yeah. Um so so that's good. All right, Bridget. So let us take a break. Yeah. And when we come back, we're gonna talk about our ratings. Dear Romance Besties, if you want to support the show, head over to patreon.com forward slash romance at a glance to check out our awesome perks, including stickers, watching movies with us, naughty book boxes, and you can even be on the show. Can't be a patron? You can still support the show by purchasing books or things we recommend through our affiliate links on our show notes and our dope-ass website. Thanks for the commish. Or you can leave a review for the show on Apple Podcasts. Screenshot your review, send it to us on Instagram, and we'll send you some stickers. Now... Bridge, let's get back to the ratings. Yes. All right, Bridget, what did you give our fair heroine? I gave her five stars. I gave everyone five stars. I thought this book was great. I loved it all around. I thought <laughs> she was very funny, but I thought she was kind and I thought she was warm and I thought she was interesting. And I liked that she poked fun at him and and also that she asked for what she needed, which was like, I need you to come to this thing. I need you to behave. I need you to help me get rid of my sister so she doesn't come here and get under our hair and like ruin this family. And I liked that she saw his like his pain and his his fear and that she, you know, still wanted to reach him and, and show him that it was OK. Um, I agree with you. Uh, I gave her five stars um, because especially from where she started at the book, which she was, she was plucky, um, to where she grew to, um, and how she spoke up for herself Mm -hmm. and how at the very end of the book, she's like, look, I want to do this with you. Mm -hmm. Like, and so, and she gave him what he was, had been asking for the whole book, which is that vulnerability Mm -hmm. and that like, you want me and not just a baby. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and, and I like that she had the bravery to do that, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, for him, he did not get five stars. He got three stars from me because mm-hmm. there was moments where I felt like he was a dick dick. And and also he when he left at the end, um, in that moment where she offers him like that vulnerability, I was mm-hmm. like, oof, like I felt that, yeah. you know. Uh so he lost he lost a point for me there for sure. Uh so I gave him three stars. But overall, like I really enjoyed um, their dynamic and play in in this book. Um, I enjoyed the sex. It, it was classy. Mm-hmm. I don't think anything was too too nothing. Um, but it was there was some solid sex in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, so so yeah, that's where I was at. Uh, I mean, I suppose because he left, I would typically give him a four. But I'm going to give him a five because I just thought this whole book was very charming. And it was very charming. I liked their repartee. I liked that he liked her for her and like was constantly sort of delighted by everything that he learned about her. Um, yeah. So, like, every time he learned something new about her, he was, like, even more enamored and even more excited and even more intrigued. And <laughs> I also liked that he called, like, said, he kept telling her, like, 
trying to like get her to you know play with him in the afternoon and she's like in the afternoon and he's like you're the one who suggested it jeez um and i thought that was like i like when he has her on the wall and he's yeah. like like oh this is about to happen like mm-hmm. right here mm-hmm. she's like right here and right here mm-hmm. she's like i didn't know I it do could love be and he's like oh i can sex. make it happen anywhere and i was like okay okay well yes well, your <laughs> tell, me, tell me more tell how me you get more sweetheart <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, but I'm going to keep my five stars, even though he could potentially be a four star, but I'm going to keep him at five because I did like this. Book. Very nice. Um, my favorite line in this book um, is, again, I picked this line because a lot of times when I read these books, I find things that resonate with real life and that I think are hilarious. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this one is um, how silly her body was wanting a baby so badly it overlooked the fact that she did not like him. And... <laughs> And I'm like, you know, I've told you, like, my body yeah. is trying to get me pregnant. Yeah. It is active. I will see a homeless person on the street who has pissed themselves. And I, my body would go, what if, you know, like, and I'm like, no, absolutely not. Absolutely <laughs> not. Um, but, like, as I watch all my friends and people get divorced right now, mm-hmm. because nobody tells you that when you get to about the 35, 36, 37 mark, that... All the people who got married in your 20s are hitting their divorce and or you're going to be dating people who have children already. Like, mm. that's a very or real already thing. already got divorced once. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> you know, and uh, and I look at a lot of people who are rushing to get married when we were young. They were like 22, 23. They wanted a part. They wanted a kid so badly mm. that they cared less about whether that person was compatible with them. Mm. Um, and so now the reckoning has come <laughs> And uh, so I just thought this was a kind of a funny thing because it's like, it's very real. It doesn't quite make sense, but it's, it happens. It, it well, I already happens. have two children, obviously, but I'm the opposite. I was driving to pick up tacos by myself and I stopped at a stop sign and this family walked across the street. Gorgeous family, very attractive husband and wife. They were very trendy and all these fucking kids started walking with them. And I was like, <laughs> one, two, three, four. Six? I was like, that's too many kids for me, baby. I was like, and the mom, like, she was tall and she was beautiful and she had this beautiful head scarf on. And I was just like, no, look at how beautiful you are. Good for you. Not for me. No, thank you. That's a lot of kids to walk across the street. I was like, no. No. I had this talk with my sister because, like, it you know, it's very taboo to shame a woman for how many children that she has, right? Yeah. But as the kid of somebody who had a lot of children, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that just sucks. It sucks. There's there was not the, enough attention. The, you have. You, you have the bright side that you look at, which is like, okay, well, I have a lot of siblings mm-hmm. and I have love for my siblings. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the support that we needed as children in that scenario, we didn't get it. Mm. If if you wanted to take a dance class or you wanted to take a drawing class or you wanted to do that, we couldn't afford it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so so I while mean, somebody yeah. has a right to create as many kids as they want, I feel like kids also have a right to have their needs met in a family like those i will say this should exist looked affluent in a nice baby stroller all the kids (laughs) very well kept nice clean clothes you know like clearly it had recent hairdos but that's the thing right and and i and and what i would assume though when i look at that family is that she stays at home 
and I always assume that, which is not fair, obviously, but it's, you know, that's just what I think. If you have like more than four children, I just assume that you don't work, especially because one was like one years old or maybe two in the stroller. Yeah. And so I'm like, there's no way you have like a two-year-old, a four-year-old, a five-year-old, a seven-year-old, a nine-year-old, <laughs> like all these kids. And, and they were pretty close. Like there were six of them, but I would say the oldest kid, I mean, again, they walked across the street. That's as long as I looked at them. But I would say she looked like she was about 10. Something so well, like the they thing, had like, them all in a fairly quick succession. So I I just assumed like well she, clearly she has to or he has to. one of them has to stay at home because how else would you have that many kids? Probably most likely because childcare cut is so expensive yeah. at the point where you right? get to a certain number that it makes more sense for you to stay at home than for whatever. Not it depends yeah. on how much money you make them. Yeah. But the thing is is that a lot of pe- times people measure neglect by whether the kid is bathed, clothed, or whatever. Sure. But there's so many more ways oh, for to sure. neglect your children. For sure. Do you know what I mean? For sure. It's like, I always I always had my hair done. I always had clothes. For I sure. always had, like, those things. However, there was a whole slew of other bullshit oh, that sure. was happening, you for know? For sure, for sure. And it, be- and it comes from the fact that my parents did not have the time to, to take with the kids mm-hmm. to be able to mm-hmm. meet emotional needs, right? Right. Um, and so it's, it is one of those, again, those two truths things, which is like, I don't want nobody telling me how many kids I can and can't have or anything about my body. Also having that many kids, if you can't meet their emotional needs sucks for the kid. Like it sucks for us. It just does. You know, I mean, I have a hard time meeting two kids emotional needs. They have so many emotions when they're little. It's it's a lot. Every, every two seconds, there's a new emotion. It's a lot. I told Kira the other day. I said, "Are you having a lot of emotions today?" She said, "Yes." I said, "Okay, it's okay to have a lot of emotions today." I said, "It's not okay to take your emotions out on me." I said, "But it's okay to have a lot of emotions." And if you want me to sit with you and talk to you, I'm or cuddle you, I'm happy to do that. If you need mom yeah. time. I said, but it's not okay to take them out of me. She's like, okay, mom. Kira, I've watched Kira go but through the spectrum of emotions. Is, she is like a Scorpio to the max. She's she, very <laughs> emotional. She got sad today on the ride home from Target after she got this new like dollar little pen with like a poof on it. Because I shouted at her to sit down so she didn't fall out of out of the cart. And I said, well, baby, if you're, that's a four. I was like, it's the 10th time I told you. And you almost fell out. And I said, mommy's job is to keep you safe. And that means keeping you from falling out of carts. So if I have to shout at you because you don't listen, like, that's what I'm going to have to do because that's my job. And she was like, well, I got sad that you shouted at me. I said, you should just shout at me in the car. I said, should mommy's whole Target trip be ruined by you shouting? And she was all confused. I said, because it's not. I have fun at Target. (laughs) (laughs) That's mommy's playground. In your face. (laughs) I said, I have fun at Target. So we had a special uh, mom so- daughter date, but she was like all in her feelings about me shouting at her. I was like, "You just scream! You just you just screamed at me!" I'm like, "You fucking crazy kid! You just screamed at me! What do you mean you're in your feelings? That's why she. <laughs> that's why I shout at you because you shouted at me. I was like, that was like ten minutes ago. Oh. We're already in the car. It's like such a delay. <laughs> She's been like stewing over this whole thing it's so long. Oh, oh my god. Oh man, She's I think too that's much. hilarious. Uh, okay, so my uh favorite review, I'll read my favorite okay, review. Um I don't know if I could find one that was super accurate, but this was all right. Uh so this is from Melinda who gave it 3.5 stars. Um I gave the book 4 stars as you know we don't do 0.5s. Mm-hmm. Um this could have easily been a 5-star read. It had such potential and I am so sorry that some of that was wasted on silly things like forced misunderstandings and not talking to each other, which I agree. I'm always like in the book I was like, "Come on, guys. Mm-hmm. Is this is this going to keep going to the end of the book?" 
that wasn't my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, as it is, I'm settling for 3.5 stars because this book is still way better and entertaining than most poor attempts at a Regency romance, uh, which I also agree. I was like, this is entertaining. The repertoire between them, the dialogue made up for a lot in the book, the mm-hmm. dynamics, mm-hmm. the play, the mayhem um, that happened. There was no murders. Mm-hmm. There was no, <laughs> there was no like outstanding crazy thing that was happening. It was just uh, the interdynamics of a family. And I loved it. I was very happy with that. So what did you give it? Four stars? Four stars. Um, I had one line I forgot to tell you. It was in Bridget Sexy Corner. Bridget Sexy Corner. Um, he said, I'll come to you tonight if you'll have me. Once is not enough. And I was like, ooh, because it was after the first time they had sex. <laughs> She's yeah. like, are you going to come to dinner? He's like, I don't know about that, but we'll come to you tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I like that. did not have a review, but I did give the book five stars. Um, I thought the, I thought, like you said, the dialogue I thought was like really shined. And I liked that everything was communicated through dialogue. Like there wasn't a lot of exposition. There wasn't a bunch of dumps where I was just like, oh, my God. Everything was kind of communicated as the story moved along and as the everything was happening. And I liked that we kind of were plopped into the sort of um, the plot and problem of her sister being drunk and her being like, fuck, I got to figure out what to do with her and get her husband to take her out of my hair. And I enjoyed that that was the solution. It wasn't like, oh, let me get her to stop drinking brandy. It was like, I got to get her husband to get her out of my hair, (laughs) which I thought was great. Um, And I just thought, like you said earlier, he said something about like every time they were confronted with like one of them, someone's like, oh, but don't you know? And they were always like, yeah, of course we know. And then they just like acted along together in this like little caper. And I thought that those were done really well. And I liked that they were kind of always like in on the joke together. Um, yeah. I also liked that uh, she eventually did give him his inducement. And he's like, you mm-hmm. don't have to. And she's like, but I want to. And he was like, ah, she's going to kill me. I love her so much. Um, which I always think got him, got him. <laughs> which I always think is a really fun, a really fun thing. So I thought it was great. I yeah. think everyone should read it. Um, Shauna gave it four stars. I gave it five stars. This is a very, very, very solid, solid book. Is this a? <laughs> is she published? Who who published this book? Is this an indie author? Where did you guys find this author? I don't think she's an indie author, but I could be wrong. Oh, Inner Ballad Press published it. Okay, so she's not an inner indie author. Well, I thought it was quite lovely. I think I think I think this is her these, debut novel, though. Is it? I think this is the debut novel. This is. A, I think I read that somewhere it, that this is her first. Oh, this is a phenomenal debut novel, right? It's a good. It, this oh, is it a good is. One for, for, it is her first. It was her first book. Well, fucking props to you, Mia, because this is a great first book. I mean, as a first book, I would definitely say five stars because. Like, usually the first books, you know, like everyone learns from doing things over and over. And so, yeah, you know, usually people are learning more things. Well, that's, if you're already starting here, I mean, it's like, yeah, there's only one like way to go up, which is all the way up. All the way you know what I'm <laughs> I do believe that I read one of these also on Kindle Unlimited. So we will link if this is on Kindle Unlimited or not also in our show notes so that you guys know. Absolutely. But I thought all right, great. I would totally read. I would totally read more books by her for sure. Yeah, totally. Okay. I think I might read the the second one if I have time. Nice. Um, right now, I'm finding I don't have much time, but yeah. I'm gonna try. Well, maybe goes maybe just one day while you're cleaning, leisure. you know, you can speed read through it at four x or whatever crazy speed you're at listening four- these days. Three <laughs> x, Bridget. I'm not a heathen. Oh my god, god damn. So fast. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, you guys. Well, until next time, may your books be your lover. And your hands your best friend. Bye, raghags. Thanks for hanging in with us, romance readers. Head over to Instagram to continue chatting with us. We're super friendly. We want to cackle with you. We want to know what your favorite sex scene was. And we need more book recommendations. If you want to read along with us, go to our website, romanceataglance.com, to see what we're reading next. And we'll see you next podcast.